Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17, after only a month away of How's That Day, a culture rundown with Tom and Phil. I'm Phil Wiedenhaft, here to introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Tom Bond. Each week or each month, depending on how we feel, Tom and I get together to chat about how our days have been going, and together we work through our thoughts on what's been going on in pop culture. And I'll start this week with the same question I've been asking all goddamn year. Tom, how's the day? That day. That day. How is that day? You should probably ask me, how's that month, right? It's been a long time. How's that month? Where you been? I've been, I don't know, man. I uh, Let's see, where have I been? I was out of town for a while in August, um, like for family, friend stuff, not work stuff. I went. And you can't pack a microphone. It's too bulky. I just knew I wasn't going to find the time. I just knew it. I don't. I think you, you can you can find an hour. You, you there's not an hour that you weren't just like laying in these your bed. These are not. Don't don't act like these fiddling, are hour long. With these you. are not hour commitments. This is three it's hours. Like, it's, like, it's three. It's we talk thing, for huh? twenty minutes before on Skype. We hang up. We talk for another twenty unless one of us really has to take a piss. I'm very focused. I don't know why you're even blaming me in any. Oh, way, I'm not. I'm not I'm blaming. All, I'm, I'm not blaming. You. I'm always ready. This is not a blame. I'm always no blame game here. For I, I'm keeping us on topic. You are. I'll, I'll be a drill sergeant. You want to? Uh, you want? You want to clock me tonight? You want to? You want to set a, a limit? Be like, we can't do it. <laughs> I. I. You know what? I. I should say Phil does do all the work. He edits the episodes. Uh, maybe we should switch the name order in the title. Maybe it should be with Phil. I feel like Tom and Phil sounds better though than Phil and Tom. I know I, that. That's just me. I feel like that was an egoless choice because I inherently said it out loud and I was like, Tom and Phil sounds better than Phil. And yeah. Tom. I think cause you get the hard syllable that's out of the way and the Phil is kind of soft, yeah. you know, that's a good, uh, I didn't really think about why, but I just kind of inherently felt like it sounded better. So that's what I yeah, went like. With. If you were going to say, would you do, um, Sean and Karen or Karen and Sean? But those are those are different syllables. I would do I would I would do Sean and yeah. Karen. Maybe it's also a syllable thing. The first syllable, like a one syllable name, is better first. Yeah, the Karen sounds very hard. What about right at the beginning? Yeah, Tom and Alan or Alan and Tom. I think you would go Alan and Tom. I would not go Tom and Alan because it would remind me of Tom fucking Alan or Tom Jerry. I don't know, or man. Tom Alan. But then yeah, Tom and Jerry sounds better than Jerry and Tom. Those cartoon little rascals. I don't know, man. It's just yeah. It's just you got to feel it. You know, you just got to trust oh, your yeah. gut. I think it's we weird. both agree Tom I, and Phil sounded better. There's just something about the way certain syllables, like, group together. I don't know what it is. Like aardvark and fuck. What's the uh, the Donnie Darko thing? Cellar door. Cellar door, like the, the most two beautiful most... phrase in the English language. Yeah, cellar door. I forgot that was from Donnie Darko. That has always stuck with me. Uh, yeah, I've always, that's, yeah, it's one of those weird things that has also stuck I with me. I actually thought I read that somewhere. That's surprising to me that I... That that's from Donnie. You read it on Drew Barrymore's chalkboard. Cellar door. It's such a weird thing because the the thing itself, cellar door, does not envision like a pleasant scenario to me. That sounds creepy. Yeah, you you got like an L.A. confidential scene type. Yeah, or like like a horror movie, like a torture dungeon. You know, maybe that's the prettiest phrase. Buffalo Bills down. The prettiest phrase is not cellar door. It's torture dungeon. I'm changing it. Yes, I like. Whips and chains. Jesus. I just think it rolls off the tongue. Whips and chains. I like mom and dad because they are beautiful. I like ice cream. Okay. (laughs) You think, you think, so you asked me to like 
what did you say to time you to make sure we kept things on track and we're just yeah we're just fucking rambling like we're in the intro baby this is the loose time we can do whatever we want i don't have this is i'm i'm allowed to just like gamble i'm allowed to roll the dice here okay well you asked me how that month was and uh I, like i said i went i was gone for almost two weeks i went home back to uh massachusetts Actually, to Vermont um, to celebrate my mom's 60th birthday. She turned 60 in August. Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So she had all of her kids come up. Uh, it was supposed to be a surprise that I was coming, but I guess my mom was just too nosy and found out. So she texted me like, hey, I heard you're flying back. Um, but it was a great time. Was that a trick? Did she actually not know and she was testing you? I think she just kept asking my sister because my sister was coordinating everything. And um, I think my sister was like, yeah, he's coming. Or maybe she was like, yeah, he hasn't confirmed yet, so why don't you get on his ass? But I was always planning maybe, on coming. It was, maybe it, she just assumed that you are a good son. She's like, Tom will be here. Yeah, I mean, I don't really fly back for birthdays anymore, um, but I happen to not be working. Um, the stage where I work is currently under construction, so they've had to shut down for a few weeks. And I was free, and it's her 60th birthday. It's a big deal. It's a big milestone. <laughs> So we had a great time. We had dinner out on the deck. I played golf with my brothers and my dad on Saturday. My mom's youngest sister, uh, the only aunt in my f- side of the family how sh- oh, who also lives in America, drove down. She lives in Maine. She drove down. So it was a really fun family get-together. Sarah came. Uh, my brother's wife came. Uh, my sister-in-law, Christy. It was a really good time. Cliff was there. We had a great time. Why are you laughing? You all were just, you were just talking about how everyone was, came, you were like, they came, this person came, and I started picturing. <laughs> I mean, we did. We all I, I just started picturing your entire family coming everywhere. Yeah, it was just basically. massive, <laughs> massive love orgy. It was great. Uh, no, it was a really great time. Uh, my sister, I got to give my sister credit. So a month or two ago, she was texting me these old family photos she had found. I don't know where she found them. And saying, like, hey, f- send me some good ones of you. Send, like, me, you with the cats, my new cats. Um, I'm going to make a gift for mom for her birthday. If you can't give me grandchildren, send the cat pictures. <laughs> well, we have one coming on the way, my older brother. Oh. Yep, going to be an uncle. Grand- gra- Grandma Bond? Grandpa Bond, too? Yeah, I asked her about that. My mom, she's like, yeah, it, it hasn't really sunk in. She doesn't feel like a grandma, but she's going to love it. Um, but at- Wait till she holds that baby. Yeah, Exactly. Um, my mom, I mean, my mom loves my sister's dog as much as she loves any four of her children. So I can only imagine when she gets a grandson. But anyway, so my sister sent me all these old photos and said, send me a couple. I was obviously lazy. I just sent one of me and weirdo, my favorite cat and said, that's all you need. So Sarah and I got my mom some gifts, uh, out in LA that we flew out with. And my sister had a gift and I was, I told my mom like open mine first. Cause I know whatever this is, she's just going to blow our gift away. And of course my sister made this giant blanket, like probably eight feet by six feet. And it was a photo collage of my mom and her family. And not only was it a collage, but it was separated. So like I'm one of four kids and one box was all photos of me and my mom or me and my mom with my cats or with Sarah. One block was me and my mom and my younger brother Cliff. One block was with my sister and my mom. One block was with my older brother and my mom. One block was with my parents. One block was with my mom and her sisters it was the most painstakingly amazing gift that I've maybe ever seen in my life. It was so thoughtful. 
And, uh, like, it moved all of us. It was actually really emotional and, and just really awesome to, like, go over and observe and look at all the photos and talk about all the memories, all that stuff. So we had that great moment. And my she could have. I mean, did she decide on the amount of photos first or the square footage? I don't know. She's like, I'm going to make this thing fucking massive. My sister's notorious for being the best gift giver in the family. Uh, Besides, I mean, her and my mom, because my mom, especially when we were kids, you know, she did all the work in terms of like gift stuff. And she was always very, very generous. They're like Leslie Nopes. Yes. I mean, even to this day, I'm in my 30s and my mom has already started texting me like, do you want like anything for Christmas? I'm like, no, what are you going to give me? Like, what are you going to, like, you going to give me an action figure? I'm 33 years old, you know? Like, if, if yeah, you want to pay yeah. for like a hotel for a night in New York, I'll definitely take that gladly, but like, stop it, you know? Like, I love you, but yeah. stop. But, um, so my dad obviously has a gift for my mom, and he foolishly says, save mine for last. And I don't want to. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't tell this story because I don't want to blow up my dad. Throw him under the bus. <laughs> Do it. He gave her. What What? what, what did he do? Uh, he get her a bowling ball that said Homer? He gave her two glass bookmarks. One was a starfish and one was an apple. <laughs> and he wrote a letter that said, you are the apple of my heart. He didn't even get the phrase right. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom reads the card out loud and we're like, oh, that's sweet. And in my head, I'm like, you fucked up the phrase. It's apple of my eye, but whatever. <laughs> And then she she opens her first gift, and it's this big glass bookmark apple. And we all just start losing it. Like, my mom is, <laughs> like, doubled over laughing hysterically. My sister starts going on a rant. Like, the store where he bought it was this place called Simon Pierce. So my sister goes into this bit like, hey, Simon, yeah, what's that? Someone finally bought the apple. <laughs> just, like, going off. <laughs> oh, it was so funny, but I felt so bad. I mean, my dad, my dad's not great at, like, the openly sweet romantic stuff he's a great dad and a husband where it really counts you know but that that gift was just oh god it was and so now awful. he'll never try again because of you fucking jerks no, nor should he and 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 i'm pretty sure my mom had to buy the card <laughs> <laughs> and he just wrote it he's uh he's a great guy i love my dad but holy shit that was so funny sarah who i took with me why doesn't he just talk to your sister and just be like, help me out here. Just do this for me. No, he he's got his own he's got his own way of doing it. <laughs> he's a very loyal, sweet guy. He's the greatest husband and dad in the world, but he's just not good. At I got you a napkin because you've been complaining about the dishes. Last, it was like maybe two years ago. Uh, my younger brother Cliff and I, because we never know what to get our dad. Like this guy, you know, he's he lives his dream life. He doesn't need anything especially from like his broke artist sons, you know, like what can we, yeah. we're probably gonna have to like borrow money to get him his gift anyway. But, um, so we're at like Best Buy or something and we see these Lord of the Rings action figures, like right at yeah. the counter. And I'm like, Cliff, or I forget if Cliff, maybe Cliff, it was Cliff's idea. But we're like, we got to get this from our dad for Christmas. So <laughs> I start filming on my phone and my dad's opening up the gift and he's looking at it, and he's trying so hard to be like, gen- he doesn't even get that it's a joke. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, this. And then my brother Cliff is just being so into it, like, oh, my God, is that a, an authentic fucking Saruman? <laughs> <laughs> just going off. Dad, do you know what that's worth? He's like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, man, that's Saruman. That's amazing. And my dad's like, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks. Like, just has no idea. Uh, gifts with my dad is always wow. It's really valuable. Why? Yeah. Wow. The the sweetest thing uh, besides the gift itself, my sister goes out of her way to say like that 
it's from all of the kids, which is total bullshit. I mean, we helped her send photos or whatever, but she does all the work. Every year she does stuff like that. So props to you, Sam. You you did an amazing gift. And I know she listens, so she'll hear this and text me about it. I remember getting chastised as a child in, I believe, fifth, fourth grade possibly. We were learning about the Washington AIDS quilt, the giant, you know, yeah. like massive quilt that they lay on the lawn. And I raised my hand in class and said, like, why don't the homeless people in Washington just go there and use that? <laughs> oh, I, I, I asked with, like, I don't know what I, I was genuinely just curious about this. I didn't think it was a strange question. But the teacher was just like, that's the dumbest question I've ever been asked. Like, that's just, just, I'm not answering that. <laughs> Phil, there are no dumb questions. They're just dumb people. Well, stupid as a stupid does. So um, to continue my how my month's been, sorry, I know I'm, I'm going long as usual. So I was there, uh, and then I went to New York for our buddy Ian, who we've mentioned before on the podcast. The mysterious Ian. When's he going to come talk on the future ho- future co-hosts? He may be, uh, future he may guest be coming host, to visit. Guest host yeah, host. he may be coming to visit me in L.A. later this year. So if he does, we'll definitely yeah, oh bring yeah. him on. Get him on the mic. But he finally proposed to his girlfriend earlier this year, his now fiance. And they had yeah. an engagement party, so I um, came down to New York for that, out in Long Island. They what do you want to? Do they have a date? When are they getting married? No, no date yet. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, they got engaged. It only took them ten years to propose. Now it's going to take them like it's going to be a five year engagement. Well, yeah, even Danielle is making jokes like this party is just to get my family off my back. I mean, they are they already have a kid. There, she has a ring. She has a beautiful ring. Damn, that ring is nice. If you want to rob anybody, find this lady. I won't tell. Her full name, but who, baby, that's a ring to rob. It rhymes with Stanley Tucci. Yes, yes, it's Daniela Vucci. Um, but it was a really fun party. It was at her parents' restaurant in Long Island, this great Italian place. We had really good food. Then um, I went back to the the house in Long Island, used the hot tub late at night, got a little drunk, played some drinking games. Was there till about mm. two a.m. with Ian, Daniela, and a bunch of their friends. It was a really good time. Nice. Sounds nice. I have very vivid memories of the house. I know exactly the hot tub you speak of. It's nice. I would love to go back and see everyone. Hopefully soon. All right. All right. All right. All right. What? No, no. I was going to, I was, I thought you were done. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. my bad. No, I should be done. I'm, I'm ranting about people. Nobody. Oh, well, I was going to say, all right, all right. We got to move it along because no one, no one knows Ian or cares about yeah. him. So we, you're we can't absolutely keep right. talking. Cut out the him. last five yeah. minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, uh, because, you know, Fuck Ian. Well, so, okay, so then I flew back. I've been back for about two weeks. Still not working. The stage is still under construction. So, man, I'm just chilling. Phil, how's your day? Nice. How's your month? It's good. I liked, uh, I liked cracking the whip there. No, you're, um, you were absolutely right. I, I was talking chugging, like we weren't recording. I was chugging this train along. Uh, I've just been busy. I Let's see. I'm trying to think of what I've been doing. I've been, as I've said in previous episodes, in most of my free time, I've been watching Ang Lee movies. So a lot of that in my free time, I've been watching, watched Back to the Future 2 the other, uh, the other night, oh, yeah, which uh, reevaluated that. I watched, um, we watched Forrest Gump today, uh, right, right before I left to come record this podcast. We watched it over dinner. We watched the first half, I should say. We ended with Lieutenant Dan grabbing Forrest in the middle of the night and talking about how he stole his destiny away. I almost ate at Bubba Gump Shrimp last night. Ugh. The, well, you want to know where the last time I ate Bubba Gump Shrimp was? It was in a, the Mexican airport, and it was for breakfast. Oh, my God. So, because we, we fucked up a little bit. 
I don't want to throw Shell under the bus because she listens to the podcast, but she did our travel planning and the flight stuff. And we kind of like... It had 4 a.m. Bubba Gum Shrimp in the itinerary. No, no, it wasn't there. But I guess I think there was a misunderstanding at some point about how long it would take to do some things. So we had to get... Oh, that's what it... We, yeah, there was a, a, a car rental service that was supposed to take us to the airport. But we were like, hold on. We, we made a mistake. We don't need to be there at like 3 a.m. And they're like, that's the only time we can take you. And we're like, okay, well, our flight. So we had to get to the airport like three and a half hours early and we were just exhausted. And eventually like the only thing we could do besides like sleep on the hard floor was go eat at bubblegum shrimp. It was, it wasn't bad. You could tell that it wasn't like, they were like a, a breakfast buffet that was almost like separate from the bubblegum like name i don't know it was like a separate breakfast service that they were doing because they're an airport i've only eaten there once it was in times square many 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 years ago me too i ate there with jake and i thought it was a small version of hell it was awful it was one of the worst meals of my life but i've been getting super into the podcast doughboys i don't know if you've ever listened to them but very funny i know you've, you've talked about it yeah yeah very great podcast and for some reason the last several episodes i've been listening to bubba gump seems to keep being brought up and it's just made me want to go try it, even though they didn't give it a good review, but I don't know. I've just had it on the brain. So I also, what have I been doing? I, I bought some new shoes. I, I get very worried about my feet cause I run a lot Yes, you do. and my re my, my feet were all fucked up. So I bought Phil the shell and I went wait. I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but Phil used to be a big chubbo like me and you are now a svelte hunk. So kudos. I'm not. I wish I was more svelte. I'm working on it now, currently, and I went to get some new shoes because I run so much that I figured uh, I should. I was starting to have some foot pain, so I figured I should get some some good shoes. So I spent $120 on these running shoes, which is the most I think I've ever spent on a pair of shoes because I'm not. I'm not a fashion guy, but yeah. So I figured, yeah, I for as much as I'm running, I should get some real some real shoes and I'm wearing them now. And I normally I was, I was, my plan was like to wear them to the gym only because that's usually how I am with my running shoes. And I try to only wear them when I'm running. And, but I'm just like, man, these things are like fucking walking on a cloud. Yeah. But so. you really should limit. Cause the amount that you run, they're going to wear. I mean, I think, what do they say? Like every three to 400 miles, you have to replace your shoes. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I mean, that's obviously the safe. That's like, you have to change your oil every 2,500 miles. Nobody actually does it. But you should limit how much you wear them, especially because like the the texture that you walk on, you want to keep it pretty consistent, especially if you're always just running indoors on a treadmill. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know all this. I'm just like I'm just enjoying them while they're new. Yeah. They're great. That's so I've been enjoying my new shoes. Heed my warning, man. I, I used to be I used to be a runner and no longer can. So I run through oh, you. That's I, I'm. I miss it. I or I mean, I, I don't miss it. I, I miss you running. I wish you could I run miss me running, more. too. I'm way fatter than I used to be. You got, you got a, a tread, not a treadmill, a uh, elliptical. I use the elliptical, yeah. Not as much as I should lately, but I use it quite a bit. I don't like the elliptical. I actually do like it. I enjoy it. And you should, I mean, I know you're doing cardio, but you got to you gotta do some strength exercising, too. You got to do those, I need, you gotta do those I need a trainer. I need a trainer again. I haven't had one since high school. Why do you need a trainer? Because I need... You got YouTube. I need someone to get on my ass. I need the I need the commitment of having an appointment to keep. That's what I need. 
Hmm. Interesting. I just I, there was one day I was on the treadmill and I was feeling I was like hungover. I was feeling really shitty. And I, this guy next to me was on the treadmill and he could tell he looked over at me. and We like kind of locked eyes really quickly. And then he was just like, don't give up, man. Don't give up. And I was like, what? And he was like, just keep going. Keep going. Because I like started to like turn the, the speed down. He was like, no, dude, no. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's awesome. <laughs> he just started he just started yelling at me. And I was like, okay, okay. I just started listening to him for some reason. And I was like, yes, sir. I don't know why. I just like started screaming. And then uh, like five minutes later, uh, like I was like, all right, I'm fucking done, dude. You don't understand. My heart's going to explode. And I started turning it down. He was like, no, no. And I was just like, yes, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so who won? You did understand. you turn it down at that point? Eventually I turned it down, yeah. yeah but he tried to keep me going. But he, he did keep me going longer. So that's my, that's my minimal experience with any kind of trainer. I mean, trainers are great if um, – I mean, I wouldn't want to do one five days a week because that shit's expensive. But maybe like twice a week just to keep some routine going. Because once you're really in the workout groove – you do feel it way more when you skip a day or two too many and you like physically yeah, need yeah. to go back. So I think if I can just get one twice a day or twice a week, <clears throat> that'll keep me going. I'll, I'll do like three days on my own, five days a week at the gym. That's all I need. I'm not looking to be 300, you know? Yeah, yeah. Me neither. I don't think I'll ever be 300. There's guys at the gym like I want to be in shape. I want to, you know, 300 is in the movie, not 300 pounds, although I don't want to be 300 pounds either. No, I don't. No. Yeah. yeah. I I don't. I would rather you be 300 the movie than be 300 pounds. Me too. Thank you, Phil. If you. Yeah, I think you should. Just more sit ups, buddy. You can do how. That. Um. How was Forrest Gump? I haven't watched like properly watched that movie in a very long time. I'll be on. It's very interesting watching it. I'm I, it's I'm trying to politically decipher it on this viewing because it's an interesting uh, what they're what it's trying to say. Yeah. And I, I I don't really ever think about it this way, but I I guess I intellectually understand that Force is supposed to be a, a mentally uh, handicapped character. But for me, like it's skating that line so closely to like where he's playing it. So it's he's still like a functional character. So it's not like he's not I am Samming it. So no, definitely not. Like right before I push play on the movie, or right as the movie was starting, Shell said, "Oh yeah, Tom Hanks, who's amazing in this movie, but who would never be cast today because they it would be politically incorrect." And I had never really thought about it. And I was like, "Oh, it's an I, yeah, I guess." And then the movie was playing, and I was like, yeah, I guess he really is playing this more. Like, he, I guess I was watching the handicap more this viewing, which was interesting. But that said, the movie is nonstop I, iconic moments. It's just scene after scene after scene of scenes I've seen a hundred times on television over the years. I was just like, oh, yeah, now, now we're going to see this. Oh, now there's this line. Now there's this line. Oh, now there's this little section that's really quick. And we only watched the first half of it because I, Bell gets kind of intolerable with, like, super long movies, and that one's two and a half hours, so I didn't want to push it. Bell or and Shell? Bell oh, okay. can get a little. She's like, come on, almost three hours long. I'm like, yeah, shut up. So I was like, well, the good thing about Forrest Gump is it's very uh, chaptery. So I was like, it's very easy to pause. So we paused halfway through, and we're going to finish it tomorrow because it's Labor Day and everyone has it off. Forrest Gump is interesting because it came out – he won Best Actor. It, it, 94. It won Best Picture, right? Won Best Picture, yep. beat Shawshank and Pulp Fiction. Yep. Which it shouldn't have, but... I mean, it, it came out immediately beloved, huge smash hit. Then it had this huge backlash, which lasted for a very long time. And I feel like it's almost maybe coming around again. Like, fine. I mean, I really like, like finding the movie. a happy I... medium where it's not an all-time classic, but it doesn't deserve a lot of the derision it's received, I think. You don't... 
You don't think it's an all-time classic? I, I feel like I feel like the snobbery about it comes out of like film Twitter, not real people. I feel like everyone's grandparents still fucking love Forrest Gump and always have. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it like it wouldn't it wouldn't be top fifty of all time. I bet I bet if you sat down with your dad, your I bet your dad loves Forrest Gump. Probably, yeah. I mean, I love Forrest Gump too. I I, I don't think it's. I definitely wouldn't have voted for it over Pulp Fiction. And over Shawshank, I don't know. Those are two. It's interesting that that was nom- those two were nominated the same year because I feel like those have kind of similar reputation of being universally loved, except for film Twitter, as you said. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, what would yeah, you pick? Like would you, said, you go Forrest or Shawshank? You could only watch one movie again; the other gets eliminated from existence. I would go Shawshank personally. I think I would too, but that's tough. It's a close one. But Pulp Fiction over both of them. Yeah, I was gonna say like because you, I was like, well, initially, obviously, Pulp Fiction's the. So what were the other two show. nominated that year? I know Quiz Show was one of them. It's Quiz Show. It's Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump wins. I would go Pulp Fiction one, Four Weddings maybe two. That movie's fun. Number two. I don't know. No, no. probably not. No, not two. But that's a good year. Those are, those are five. I would give thumbs up to all five of those. Yeah, it's a good year. I really it's like Quiz year. Show. Quiz Show is pretty underrated. I think, yeah, it's a solid, solid flick. Directed by Mr. Robert Redford, who's having a uh, farewell year. We're going to hear a lot from Redford this year. Yep, definitely. All right, you want to jump in? Let's see what we're going to talk about this week? Yeah. Okay, because we're already 30 minutes in, so we're, I'm not doing a very good job about cracking the whip on like keeping this train train of moving. I'm not, I'm not saying but, anything. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. We're diving in. Section one. Politics is pop culture. Boom. McCain's funeral. That's really what's been really taking over the news and pop and look backs. Every time I turn on the TV, every time I look up, there's been billboards as I'm driving along the highway. Like remember, like honoring John McCain, like I've you know, and the digital ads and stuff. So I mean, it's literally everywhere. It's been, I think, a big. It's uh, we were looking. I was talking before we on mic about the New York Post cover of Meghan McCain, her a big close up on her face, and it says the Meg. <laughs> in the caption it's really inappropriate but like that's really what's it's been dominating so funny, the news though. god that's it's so, so funny, funny. It's, so, it's so funny and the, so it's the funeral was just what yesterday was it yesterday well there were There's two. Been multiple yeah. services um yeah. the one in washington was yesterday i believe Right. Okay. And I wa- I watched some speeches and I wa- I watched some people sp- I I watched some clips and some highlights from some and I watched the full speeches of others. Did you what what have you watched from all that? What have you been doing? About the same. Um I I was not watching either of them live. Um No, no. I watched them on YouTube like a little bit later in the Well, day. the first his first service was being broadcast simultaneously with Aretha Franklin's Yeah, yeah. So. I didn't I I watched a little bit of Aretha's too. There were some I didn't like that I, I don't know if it was on Spotify, but there was something like music from Aretha's funeral. And I was like, ew. Why? 
that's so I don't I don't know the idea of like purchasing that seems weird to me. But it's on Spotify, right? So you can just stream it if you're a member. But like I don't know, it seems like it's that's something that should stay in a funeral. I don't but I don't the, the idea I mean, of pack, I would agree with you if that. they weren't live streaming the actual thing. I yeah you're right. Like they already I guess made I just, the songs publicly available. Maybe it's the name. Like if it was just like the Aretha Franklin like tribute or something like that yeah. or whatever. But I think it's like music from the funeral. I'm just like, geez, that seems like. I don't. I don't like the name. If the family wanted it to be private, I would think that was gross. But since it was broadcast around the world, I don't really see a problem with it. Sure. All right. But um, McCain, 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 the war hero, the McCain, thing, complicated man. Yeah, it's been so fascinating to me. I feel like I don't know, man. I don't want to say too many negative things because the guy's dead. And I will say with my own backstory, he was the first politician that I really got into when he ran for president in 2000 or for the Republican nomination for president against Bush jr. Um, I was 14 going on 15 and I actually got super into his campaign. I was a big McCain supporter back then. I thought, I thought he was the the right balance uh, between Gore and Bush. And I, I remember, I distinctly remember really pushing my parents to vote for him for the Republican nomination, obviously he didn't get it. So I was a McCain fan early on. I feel like uh, since we've met, I I used to, I despite your like, you know, angry Trump rantings in recent episodes, I, I remember you being a more conservative person generally when we first met, at least politically. I feel like maybe that's like, as the conservative party has gone off the deep end, you've probably probably had less fondness for them, but. I, I do remember you always being a little bit more like, no, 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 hold on. Like, not every conservative is an evil person, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've never, personally, I've never been registered as a Democrat or a Republican. I've always registered independent. I think the thing that... Registered Democrat right here. The thing that always has me siding with the Democrats over and over again are the social issues. I think, yeah, the Republican Party pretty much, and this is a big thing I want to talk about with McCain, but pretty much before... Well, no, because Bush was awful, too. <laughs> I don't know. I, I There are individuals that in the Republican. Not every Republican is evil, just like not every liberal is a snowflake. You know, they, they, these broad strokes sure, are ridiculous. Sure, yeah. McCain. You fell in love with McCain early on. I fell in love with McCain early on. I really became disillusioned with the Republican Party under George W. Bush. And McCain had one of the biggest tactical mistakes in political history by tapping Sarah Palin as his VP. I think that is a huge factor in the downward slope that the Republican Party has been on and a big thing that has led to Trumpism. And I think that's pretty unforgivable that he allowed his campaign to go that route. I think it was a huge sellout moment um, that he never really atoned for in any major way. Sarah Palin, for one thing, that announcement was made at Wright State University, where I attend and where my fiance works. And also... I do not like the movie Game Change. Yeah, Game Change isn't very good. Movie sucks. Anyway, but I agree, yes. I, I I think he has said since that he regrets it and he wishes he would have chosen Lieberman. I still do not think even with Lieberman, although it would have been an interesting choice, would not have competed against the magnetism of a Barack Obama. No, but what the issue... I still think he would have lost. But what the issue is, is it gave a lot of cre- credibility to the far-right kooks of the party. When you have yeah. this centrist... He lost a lot of credibility. Yeah, and as he should have. When you have this centrist, like, maverick figure, like one of the shining stars of your political party, endorsing someone like Sarah Palin, you you just open up 
a Pandora's box that has not been able to be closed at this point. And I But it was by all accounts like was it was by all accounts just him being like I'm going up against this black guy who's making history. How else can we make history? Let's choose a woman. Here's this fiery brand woman who's like lighting up the conservative scene and they kind of just went with her without doing a thorough background check and that was their big mistake. That's unforgivable to me. That's a really yeah. that's a it's, horrible was, horrible decision. And It was a political decision that fucked him thoroughly for years. Yeah. And there's so it's it's just so weird. I mean, I know you know. Don't speak ill of the dead. And when a person passes away, you tend to lionize them and uh, try to memorialize them in the brightest light possible because they have passed away. And someone like Meghan McCain, who I think has said some really gross things on her show, I definitely felt for her while she was giving the speech. It was obvious that she loved her dad and is going to miss him. And I think anyone can relate to that. But. There's this weird thing that's going on right now, and it happened before McCain passed away with Bush Jr. This rebranding of these <laughs> of these war criminals that is really irking me. And I don't know, man, I'm having a hard time reconciling the image of McCain as this really centrist, thoughtful political candidate, this undoubtable war hero who not only was captured and spent years as a POW, but refused to leave early, even with the privilege that he had with his family. He decided to stay and act in solidarity with his fellow captured soldiers. I think that that's an incredibly brave move that, yeah, Meghan McCain is right. Donald Trump would have never been able to touch. But he also sang bomb, 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 Iran. He did so many... <laughs> he did so many re- like he did do this shit and yeah i've never I've, I've never heard that but i like it a lot and despite you know all of his outspoken criticisms of trump in that relationship he did side with him a lot uh, with trump as president and you know during mccain's funeral there's this moment that social media is going nuts for of george bush passing michelle obama a piece of candy and everyone saying it's making their day and like Oh, both sides of the aisle are coming together for McCain's funeral, which sure, that's great. But what's up with this rebranding of George Bush as this kooky, lovable grandpa when I I have to assume it's coming from people who are younger than us and don't remember those. Yeah. Do you not remember what's been going on, like what he did to this country and to other countries and the amount of death and destruction and costs that like just the, the cost in so many ways that Bush has leveled on America and around the world. If Trump had not been president, Bush would still by a landslide be the worst president in American history. And that's the thing. I agree with you completely. I was actually about to mention the candy moment for the exact same reason. This kind of retroactively being like, Oh, well he is such a nice all shucks guy who just wants to make silly paintings now. And it se- he seems at the the I remember at the time what was frustrating for me even as like a teenager was people being like oh but you can have a beer with him and I always felt as if I don't want that from a president I don't want somebody who's my buddy I want someone who's way fucking smarter than me you know and who is beyond me in terms of intelligence and thoughtfulness and has a grasp of these issues I don't want an aw shucks buddy hanging out in the White House. That was always my feeling about it. And I, like you, I remember like 2004 was when I graduated high school. And that year for me was the year of, besides I had a one-year-old baby, 
But politically, that year was the year of Passion of the Christ and Fahrenheit 9-11 coming out the same year. And it felt as if there were just two political forces fighting. And those were like the two political center points where like, I'm going to go support this movie and I'm going to go support this movie. And that represents something political. And even I guess now Michael Moore has Fahrenheit. What is it like? Eleven nine, which or whatever yeah, is coming out this year, about Trump. which I have, I have no interest really in seeing at all. I don't think I'm going to see it because I don't really like Michael Moore. He, ju- but, I mean, he just preaches to the choir. He's not changing anyone's mind. I have no, yeah, he's not going to say anything that is going to enlighten me or give me a deeper understanding of the issues. He's going to be throwing fire bombs, and you're just like, that's nice, Michael. I agree with you, but have fun over there. And yeah, I agree with you. There's this weird sense that Bush bankrupted this country tax cuts for the rich expanded uh the politi- the prescription bill uh or the prescription drug bill that bankrupted the economy uh 911 happened two wars didn't capture Osama bin Laden torture expanded religious freedoms were implemented in abortion things and all these other judges were implemented who were very strict conservatives who stripped abortion rights the away. The Patriot Act they, was they, under push. The, the Patriot Act. It was an awful fucking time. Yeah. People hated it. It was a very scary time. And it's weird because I remember the Bush years have, or the way I remember them has kind of helped me find balance in these Trump years because I'm kind of like, you know, people were freaked out in the Bush years and they thought the world was burning down, but it didn't. And something better came later. So I'm kind of using that as my like Trump. It's really bad right now, but it seems as if through whether it's the Mueller investigation, whether it's through voters, whether it's through impeachment, whether it's through any other all these balance of powers that are going on right now, it seems like, you know what, several years from now, we're going to look back on this and be like, that was hell, but things are a little bit better now. We're through that. We've learned a lot from that, hopefully. So that's what, you know, that's what I think about the Bush years. But I agree with you that this, I, McCain is a complicated figure because I think there's as much to admire as there is to admonish. Right. But uh, yeah, with Bush, I agree with you. It's very easy to look at his aw shucks demeanor and be like, oh, he's cute. But f- forget like, no, he, there are some horrifying shit that the Dick Cheney's of the world implemented under his watch. Yeah. And it's just strange because I feel like a lot of this rebranding that's happened with Trump and McCain it's almost because of a direct response to Trump and how openly, outwardly fucking insane and childish and immature and evil Trump is that you just look at a guy like Bush and think like, well, he never really said anything that bad in a rally. So I guess he's okay. Like, it seems like that's what is happening with him. And McCain is such a weird figure because he had that moment last year that super dramatic moment where he shot down healthcare um, that the Republicans were trying to pass with that thumbs down where you like paused for five seconds and just like stole the spotlight. But, you know, a lot of people gave him credit for that. And then it turned back into another year of, you know, him saying things, but not really showing up with any action in terms of trying to check Trump in any way. So he was getting a lot of criticism for that, rightfully so. But then you find out that he's really sick and probably is going to last through the year. And then it just turns into these like glowing reviews about what an amazing man he was and like the heart and soul of the Republican Party. And I don't know, man, I just think it can be you can it can be both of those things, like just because a guy passes away, especially if you devote your life to public service, you have every right to criticize that man's life. 
I think what is easy to admire, like you said, is to look at his war service, his prisoner of war years. Yeah, that's unassailable. Unassailable. You can't even argue that. And of course, that's admirable. And anyone who has dedicated their life, not just to that, but to serving the greater good, I think is an admirable life worth leading. And I think all that is worth celebrating. I think what is complicated for me is I can look at that and I can look at the way, you know, obviously the clip that's been playing is the Obama moment where he takes the mic from the lady and says, no, he's a good man. And that's supposed to be representative of this basic decency that we've lost. And it's sad that something so simple, like just saying it's ma'am, he's not a Muslim, you know, like I can disagree with him, but he's not a Muslim. And that just a moment like that wouldn't happen with Trump anymore. And I feel like it's easy to use a moment like that to hold him up as something to strive for in his friendship with Joe Biden. And I do feel like he is a product of a bygone era that is hopefully we can get back to in some way or we can morph into a new version of in some way. I hope so. There seems to be a new kind of liberal progressive coming out that I'm seeing when I'm seeing like even the fucking Cynthia Nixon. I'm looking at her answers on marijuana in New York and I'm like, oh, th- th- if this is the direction of the Democratic Party, sign me up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I Socialism look at McCain- is taking a huge it's it's I mean, it's obvious. It makes sense that the reaction to Trump is going to be more extreme on the left and the extreme left is starting to really have a moment. Um, Democratic socialism is really having a moment. That I want to talk about that clip briefly, though, um, about the woman. The McCain yes. Trump? Yeah. Well, no, the McCain, uh, you know, Obama's an Arab moment, that video yeah. that's been going around. Because I'm of two minds about that. The, the immediate reaction seemed to be like, this is the type of guy McCain was. You know, he can disagree with a guy, but you're not going to slander his character. But it's also weird that what people are inherently saying by that is by calling Obama an Arab or a Muslim is like to say that being an Arab is a negative thing. And that's strange. I mean, I personally, I feel like I knew what McCain was going for. He was going to cut her off because she wasn't going to stop at he's an Arab. She was going to say he's an Arab and then blah, blah, blah. Like he's a terrorist or he's working for whatever. And he just decided, he's like, I'm cutting this shit off right now. It's not like he grabbed the mic and said, well, ma'am, we have freedom of religion in this country. There's nothing wrong with being a Muslim. Which would have been a much better answer. I, so I don't, I mean, it was an off-the-cuff moment, so I'm not going to give him shit, which I know some people have. I mean, yeah, I think that, I, I, yeah, that's a, t- hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think he he performed more admirably than fucking probably Paul Ryan would have yes. in that fucking moment. No, yeah, I mean, Trump would have been like, you're right, he's an Arab, as if that was inherently bad. And I think that's... That's a lot I don't even know what Lindsey Graham would say, you know? Like, fuck who Lindsey knows? Graham. He doesn't deserve our fuck. breath. He's a piece of shit. Um, but yeah, and that, that was in 2008. And I think McCain has to own a lot of that because when you bring someone like Sarah Palin into your party spotlight, Sarah Palin helped bring the rise of the Tea Party, which helped bring the rise of the alt-right, which helped bring the rise of Trump. And I think there's a d- direct line you can draw from 2008 to 2016. And you combine that with a black president <laughs> that... A lot of people aren't going to like, and now we are where we are. And I don't think McCain ever properly owned that. I think it's interesting, especially though, that McCain's funeral, by all intents and purposes, was set up and designed by McCain to be a rebuttal of Trump. Absolutely. He's he specifically picked Bush and Obama. He specifically Clinton was there chose too. 
chose Clinton to be there. There is, if you look at the footage of the funeral, it's every person who has been president or run for president over the last two decades sitting in the first few rows. Yep. And it's just a crazy amount of bipartisanship, yes, but I think every speech was designed in some way to be a message to Trump. And I also think, like you saying, this idea that we're kind of recon- or changing these people's personalities, I do think there's this bias on the or need on the left or hope that we can find conservatives who are anti-Trump. Because I, I think it speaks to like, oh, yes, we like these conservatives. So the fact that John McCain was kind of vocally anti-Trump and had that health care moment were, and, and also just kind of had like you said, unimpeachable moments of heroism in his life. It's easy for especially liberals to look at John McCain and now kind of speak of him a little bit more highly than they might have, say, when Barack Obama was running against him eight years ago, when it's like, no, he's a fucking war, you know, he's a war hawk, terrorist, you know, drone bomb dropping monster, you know, like, or whatever else Democrats were calling him eight years ago. Now he's a fucking hero yeah which of course he always was but they're more willing to forgive Yeah, the the... point is you can be both and especially when yeah when you devote your life to serving the nation then the nation has the right to really lionize you and criticize you and i think it's just weird it's just weird the overwhelmingly positive response that mccain has been given because he has a lot of flaws i mean obviously i don't know um, there, there are other figures that could have passed away that would be much more like no one besides Fox News commentators were crying over Roger Ailes passing. You know, McCain's he's not that, but yeah, he's, he's not Gandhi either. You know, he's not he's not some selfless noble man. He has a lot of flaws, and I think it's worth pointing out. But he's also yeah, not like Trump. like what is Alex Jones gonna say at Glenn Beck's funeral? I'll see you down there soon, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> save me a big, big room. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. But R.I.P. McCain. He was he was definitely a war hero. He was also a warmonger. And yeah, he dropped a bomb on me. Yeah, Baby. look up the bomb, bomb, bomb Iran clip because that was a thing. Oh, I, yeah, I did not know that. To Barbaran. I yeah, sounds great. I'll look into it. <laughs> All right. So you know. I guess I, I what what do you want to talk about now? We're kind of free falling because you've been gone a month. We've been gone a month, so we were kind of talking about. Let's just sum up what's been happening this month in the news. There's been some big things. Uh, festivals are starting to happen. A lot of fall movies are coming out yeah. uh, right now. Oh, right now we're currently in the first man flag planting controversy period of the year. So can you we explain can look that back to me this. and to the audience because I I haven't. I saw some headlines about it and I said, I'm not even going to bother. So what's been going on? Basically, the there's a, several film festivals that have been happening concurrently right now. It's film festival season. And First Man just premiered. And to Rapture's reviews and everyone's saying it's a Best Picture nominee. For, for people sure. who don't know, it's about Neil Armstrong, yeah. The First Man on the Moon. stars Gosling and is directed by Damien Chazelle, who did La La Land. That's his their new movie. Their new movie, yeah, it's a biopic. It's going to be a big space epic. Looks very intense, has some good trailers, but apparently has a very good soundtrack. It's got all these elements working in its favor, and the entire movie is apparently built around this act of American heroism. But 
I guess that the sequence that is not in the movie, and there there's other things going on that I guess that they chose to focus on. They do not have the flat the the entire sequence of them planting the flag on the moon. I I know that throughout the movie and on the moon you see the flag planted. Like there are shots of it in the movie, but there is not necessarily a scene of that happening. And Gosling penetrating the moon. Yeah, okay. there that that moment does not actually happen. So somebody asked Ryan Gosling about that in an interview, and his response was, "We felt it was more of a human accomplishment and not just an American accomplishment, and that was not necessarily what we were interested in making that those moments of the film about." And that, and apparently he was very vocally supported by the Armstrong family because that was how their father felt about that and such. And there, it was done in concord in accordance with their family's wishes, the Armstrong family. And the Armstrong family has been very supportive of this decision as well about the flag. So of course, this interview was taken by Fox News and has now become this. The movie is anti-American. It's not. It's not pr- uh, proud of this American achievement. Yada yada yada. And it's go- it's gone to this ridiculous place. It's obviously stupid. That's and what most this people controversy is. Yeah, it's because Ryan Gosling. <laughs> oh it's because God. Ryan Gosling said something equivalent to landing on the moon was not an American accomplishment. That's basically the line that's been taken, and they're running with that. Wow. That's it. Yeah, that's the controversy that's been exploding in the news this week and it's like this is so stupid Fox because news, i'm sure baby. when i when and then everyone has said too if you read like comments or articles about it they're like when you see this movie the idea of it being non-pro-american is so absurd <laughs> it's like about this you know the, it's like there's american flags everywhere in this fucking movie and it's about this crew of white men you know it's the most like american male masculine movie ever and the idea of it not being patriotic is so absurd anything to not report on trump in the fox news talk shows they're going to take it especially if it's an anti-hollywood message which is funny because wasn't fox news the one who really globbed onto that story about the cosby show actor Oh, yeah, that's the other thing that's going on in the news this week. Well, he was seen bagging groceries at a Trader Joe's in New, or a Whole Foods in New Jersey. And I know Fox News really ran with it almost to, like, shame this guy. And yeah, it's just yeah, so it was absurd. going. A, if you're Fox News, isn't your slant supposed to be, like, anti-Hollywood and pro the working man? The guy has a job. Why are you yeah, trying? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Cosby Show actor Jeffrey Owens. He was spotted bagging groceries at a Trader Joe's. So... Yeah, what's the story there? That's just... It's basically just that he was spotted, like, looking disheveled because he has, like, a stain on his shirt and he's bagging groceries. And there's just an image of him looking confused at a picture, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, that's basically what it is. That's so gross And, and fucked up. Yeah, and since then, a lot of actors... I've seen like Pamela Adlon and several others come out and say, I've taken tons, I've worked at makeup counters and delivery places, et cetera, in between jobs throughout my career. There is no shame in this whatsoever. There's no shame it's, in it's work. taking a job. It's, it's a, it's exactly, a job. It's work. Yeah. He's not dealing <laughs> drugs or like a pimp. He's bagging groceries. This is, this should be, this should be something Fox news globs onto in a positive way. It's just so insane to me. Uh, yeah, it's Whatever. a it's been a really just dark time. I there's a part of me that just doesn't want to be on Twitter or social media anymore. I've kind of thought like maybe I should just stick to Instagram because there's no there's no words really for the most part. It's like it's the least I guess political, political of the major. It's the least media. political yeah. and like it's just 
you can really get stuck in some rabbit holes. I'll, I'll often find myself like typing a response to somebody and then deleting it and being like, I don't care enough to fucking fight with a stranger about this. Yeah. But you know, it's a very, it's easy to get sucked in and have just constantly seeing what's going on and people's reaction to it and being like, man, people are stupid. I know there was also a big story about um, another movie coming out that has Oscar hopes is this star is born. The Bradley oh, Cooper yeah. Lady Gaga remake. And there was this big article about it where Lady Gaga showed up for the audition in makeup and Bradley Cooper oh, had yeah, a makeup yeah. wipe and made her take the makeup off. And like Phantom fucking Thread. Yeah, and there's been a lot of blowback to that. I, I just find that story hilarious. <laughs> I just wish I was in the room for that when he's like, take it off. <laughs> just hands her yeah, I'll be honest. There's so much that I think is really funny about this awesome. Star is Born. Uh, a Star is Born. Like uh, the stories I hear about it, the ca- every, the, I love the amazing rapturous reviews it's getting. It just seems really funny to me for some reason. Brad or Bradley Cooper's performance, like, hey, turn around. I just want to see one more I just time. want to take one more look at you. <laughs> Maybe it's time Every- to let the old ways <laughs> die. And it seems it's like this is either going to be the greatest thing ever or it's going to just be the biggest cheese fest. But I feel like there's no way I'm not going to like it. Yeah, I think and I'm going to like it too. I really do. I think I'm, going to, I think I'm really going to like it. And I, Bradley Cooper, I don't know what it is, but something about him really makes me laugh in the trailer. It seems like he's burnt his face his skin or something he looks so yeah like his he has turned his skin into a leather kind of thing well because he's not old enough to play the character i mean if you're if you were going to base it off of the original movie with streisand and christopherson right yeah i mean chris maybe it was just my childhood eyes i don't know how old he was but he seems a lot older than cooper people in the 70s were older like you'd see like, but Cooper's what, like early you look, 40s. You look at Elliot, Elliot Gould was like probably 31 in The Long Goodbye, <laughs> and we're like, Jesus. That's true. I don't know. He Cooper seems like he really is trying to make himself look older in that movie, which I think is appropriate. I oh, think he should yeah. be older than you know he is in real life for the type of At the very la- least, a, a drunken, run-down guy who's like just laying out in the sun, getting yeah. burnt with nothing to in, do all day. In reality, what's the age difference between him and Lady Gaga? It could only, only be like five or six years, I would think. Yeah, she's. A, I think she is a bit older. Lady Gaga. My oh, that was one of my favorite things. One, obviously, the the viral pictures of her arriving via boat at the premiere. Yes, amazing. With her legs crossed, Th- those are pretty great photos. And my other favorite detail is at the press conference. The little name I saw temp, it too. like name the, it says B Cooper and L Gaga. That really made yeah, me laugh. I saw that too. That was very funny. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for that movie. It was one when I heard about it. I, I thought I'm never going to see that movie, but the trailer has sold me on it. Lady Gaga is 32 and Bradley Cooper is 43. Okay, so a little older. I didn't realize she was only 32. I thought she was like 37. I am the exact age of Lady Gaga. I am older than her. Wow. Whoa, she was March 28th, 1986. I am. She is 10 days younger than me. Well, yeah, that's that's upsetting. But yeah, it looks good. We need to have. I a, can't wait. It's uh, she is five one. I mean, we are recording this in September, so uh, the it's going to be an Oscar nominee. You just wait. Yo, that I, I first no man. These are all Oscar movies. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is we have uh, we're about to hit award season in the next few weeks, so we got to do an episode where we discuss our early, like too soon before we see in predictions and see how accurate we were. I think I think those are two definite. Oscar nominees. May, I don't know. Maybe a Star Is Born makes three hundred million and it 
gets nominated for best popular film instead of best picture now that they have that thing. Oh yeah, can we talk? Can we talk a little bit about that? Please. That's happened. That, when did that get announced? Probably within the last month, right? Yeah, before after our last episode. All right. So basically, what the Academy announced was that they're adding a new category. Best besides best picture, there's now going to be a best popular film category, which is. I think largely upsetting people because they did not clarify what the fuck that means. Right. And the word popular is so vague and kind of abstract that it's kind of hard to define what necessarily that means. And like, why can't a film be this and that? And they're, and they're saying, well, you can be nominated for both. And it's like, well, this is strange. They're saying you can. Yeah. They said that you can be nominated for best picture and best popular film. So like Titanic would have won both if this category was in 97. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What I don't understand, like, so is there, are they going to give best popular film to Black Panther, but then they're going to nominate it for best picture and just be like, well, we tried. My immediate reaction when I heard the news was, oh, they want to figure out a way to give Black Panther an Oscar. That's why. Is this like a reaction to like a get out from last year? I don't know, because I mean, does popular mean box office numbers? Yeah, like, that was well, a threshold. Yeah, because like th- you have something like the Hurt Locker, which made fucking like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in its a- during its entire run, like is the least hot grossing Best Picture winner since I literally think the nineteen fifties or something. Like it's that long. Yeah, how and it's ridiculous. But that movie is now very popular because it won a Best Picture, right. and people, tons of people know and love that movie now. And who's so it's really the, weird. What's the acceptance speech going to be like for the first Best Popular Oscar winner? Are they even going to be happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, I guess. I don't. Know. I I hope whoever wins makes fun of it because it's fucking stupid. It, it seems like like they're trying to give the the Fury Roads of the world the Fury Road won six Oscars. Yeah, but I think they're trying to like distinguish between the Mad Max Fury Roads and the I don't know the Tree of Life's of the world. I don't know. I just it sounds pretty stupid. It sounds like super, it's it like, makes me it it feels like an MTV Movie Awards type of decision, not an Oscars type of decision. I I think Golden Globes kind of put they kind of push it when you have your best comedy and best drama in terms of defining those movies sometimes. But at least that makes kind. Maybe I'm just used to it, but that seems to make at least categorical sense way more than defining what a popular film is. But if you're gonna do you know, that, it, why wouldn't you have the thing about the Globes is the comedy years as much as they aren't are awful like the fucking tourist gets nominated for best picture you know sure i mean you have a few random year. i think lately the nominees have been a lot better but they've had some pretty awful best comedy picture nominees and like maybe mama mia gets nominated for best picture maybe or best comedy golden globe maybe mama mia gets nominated for best popular film oscar i don't know i think but what if like i don't like what if it's this year they're both huge hits but like first man wins best picture and a star is born is best popular film you're like what the fuck does that mean what does it mean yeah i I don't like it i don't i think i think this met met with pretty negative response across the board. I do want to discuss one other change they made, which I think I'm in the minority about really hating is a lot of the technical Oscars are no longer going to be televised, which how many do you uh, exactly? They they haven't specified, but they say they're going to be shitty. They're going to be really strict about the three hour time limit. And 
they're going to get rid of a couple. Like there, so there are twenty four um, Oscars, and it's been like that. I think since uh, Best Animated became a category like fifteen years ago. So there are twenty four. If you now twenty five with the addition of this, if you want to keep it to three hours, you do eight an hour. I mean, I, I get that is tight, but I would I would rather have them make it a three and a half or four hour broadcast than lose out on like. I mean, I'm sure something like cinematography isn't going to be cut, but that means like my guys in the sound mixing and editing category are going to be gone. It's going to be like the best short documentary shit. But they said technical. Those aren't technical awards. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess what? Best sound editing, best sound mixing, that type yeah. of best editing. Yeah, like best visual effects maybe. I don't know. But uh, I really hate that decision because, I mean, I know I'm close to it. Not that I am a sound mixer. I'm not. I'm a technical moron. But I think... It's just giving more credence to the idea that filmmaking is like a one-person show. And this is the one time of the year that guys who do sound mixing or visual effects or editing or costume design, that they really get their like moment in the spotlight and their like appreciation is rewarded. I want to see... A movie that and even movies like Suicide Squad have a chance of like best makeup. Yeah, because it's, or think about last year. Like we wouldn't. We wouldn't have seen Phantom Thread win an Oscar, right? Right. If they right. Get, if they get rid of best best costume yeah. at one, yeah. So and, it's a great moment. And, not only that, and for, fucking for, Mark Brit or Mark wouldn't have won his jet ski. Exactly. Like it's just weird to me to get rid of those. I know they're not the most popular. I know the majority of people are looking for best actor and best picture. That's what most people care about, and I get it. But though I think those categories deserve their moment in the sun, and I think it's also a great way to have other films share the spotlight on Oscar night, you know, like that's where, that's where you see some of the more interesting winners come out. Like when ex machina won best visual effects, that's still one of my favorite Oscar moments of the decade. Like that was such a huge shock. It was so cool. Not when golden compass won best visual effects. Well, cause I picked it. I mean, that was just a yeah, baller. You fucking picked that it. was a baller choice. And that's beat transformers. Didn't yeah, it? That was a legendary move by me. I'm very proud of that one, but yeah, like shit like that. It's, I think it's really cool when you're a film nerd and why this is just another example of like when you're trying to tailor an event outside of your audience and nobody wins, like you're not going to attract someone who never watches the Oscar, like, Oh, they got rid of sound mixing. I'm going to watch it now. And the people who watch it and like all that shit are just going to be bummed out. It's just a dumb move. It's hard for me. Cause there's things I would do with the broadcast in terms of if somebody were just like, all right, you know what? We're just giving you the reins. What, what do you want to do? I would say, Cut down all the bullshit montages about. I love the montages. <laughs> I, I know, like I feel like you got to cut stuff. Like cut the montages down. Focus more on the movies that are nominated. So like, if there's like, you don't have to just do. There could be great musical performances, but I feel like if you just did the the speeches and the awards and expanded a few awards, like maybe did like best stunt work. Uh, like and had that somehow included in there i feel like you could start having new categories not like best kiss or something ridiculous but you know you can have categories that maybe can introduce new elements into the show and just focus more like you said on the people that actually make these movies it's supposed to be a night for, it's for hollywood and for celebrating who makes these movies and these like you said these are team efforts there's no one person i uh, be beyond the auteur theory uh, there's the, that all tour needs 50 people to go make that film at the very least or hundreds or thousands sometimes. Yeah. And 
so it's it is supposed to be about the group of people who make it. So it seems shitty that they're gonna be like, you know, we'd rather have the I don't know that we'd rather have so and so come out and do this bullshit joke for ten minutes that like. We'll have, we'll have Jimmy Kimmel come out and riff with Matt Damon for five minutes because we know the audience wants to see that more than they actually care about um, Moonlight because no one's fucking seen Moonlight. Exactly. You know, I think so, I think you get rid of stuff like um, the disastrous one where they took the tour bus and brought him onto the stage. Yeah, that's the they got they did it two years in a row, didn't they? Yeah, because they last, did it last year they had year. the one where people were watching A Wrinkle in Time and they had the stars like give them popcorn and hot dogs and stuff. Like just I they I feel like they are over even though they're in LA they are sort of overestimating people's stardom in uh, in a lot of ways because like even though we know who these people are a lot of them like aren't going to recognize them right away or they're not going to know what's going on they're not going these people are, are aren't funny they don't know how to react when cameras are around it's so awkward for 10 minutes and you're like get me out of here why are we doing this and cutting Meryl Streep's acceptance speech in half because we had to fucking spend so much time with these losers. Not only that, but in both of those instances, you focused on and rewarded a group of strangers who didn't even care enough to watch the Oscars. <laughs> like, there, there was a bus full of people who were on a bus during the Oscars. They don't care about the Oscars. There were a bunch of people next door watching a movie while the Oscars are right next door. They don't care about the Oscars. Why are you doing this? It's It'd be so funnier weird. if they were crashing an Oscar watching yes, party. Yes, absolutely. I think that could have been a very cool idea. Like you find someone living in Hollywood throwing like a backyard party where they like do theme drinks and food. Everyone's hanging out drinking. Then they all get inside and watch the party and you have a couple actors show up. That's a good idea if you're going to do something like that. But I would much rather see the categories. I love doing like the Oscar pools. That's I think most of the people who watch the Oscars, especially in groups, you do some type of pool betting system. And you're like following along with it, and I think that's what most people like. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm alone there in the minority, but I want to see the categories. I want to see the speeches. Like I want to focus on the movies. I'm a movie nerd. That's what the Oscars should be about, not this star fucking shit. We need to see what it is. I, that, I think that's the hardest thing right now is we don't know how many movies they're going to nominate, what type of movies qualify or that they're trying to focus on. Besides your obvious Black Panthers, is it going to be Infinity War? And is it going to be like best animated category where they're going to let shit like the Boss Baby get in there or and Ferdinand, you know, because just because they're animated? Is it going to be like, well, we're going to have to nominate Fast 10 because it's one of the biggest box office hits of the year. So so I'm one, it's just like, I don't know how they're going to handle it or what films qualify, or if they're just saying it has to be well reviewed. It has to be like a fallout situation where it was well regarded and a box office hit. Like who knows? That's what's strange to me. Cause if you're going off popular, the idea of popular is like most liked the most mainstream thing. So, so yeah, shouldn't, shouldn't that just whatever the the number one movie of the year is movies of the year. Like, is that what you, yeah, shouldn't, Exactly. I agree. That's that's what it seems to indicate. Like, that's the most popular film. That but was what was most seen. So if it's a shitty Transformers movie and no one in the Oscars like it, do they not vote for it? And then the, the Transformers team can cry foul because we were clearly the third most popular movie of the year. Why don't we get one of these five slots? You know? What if, what if that was a, an award and the person who accepted the award was like the marketing team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what people want to see. Yeah, you know, like it's really about not only it's like the people who cut the trailers were like, look, people want to go see this movie because of this trailer. 
<laughs> I don't know. I would. I'm. I'm sure I'm in the minority on this one, but I would rather make the show four hours and just keep it all. I don't care that it's long. Right. If I need to go to bed, I'll watch the rest in the morning. I don't care. I. I mean, I guess in the age of DVRing and all that, sure. But I guess realistically, it'd be better if they could just. Uh, they're not going to do this. They're not going to move it away from the ABCs of the world. But it'd be so much better if they could get onto like the IFC or AMC or something like that and just be a little bit freer to do riskier things. Because I don't know, unless they're going to, I guess this is just a way because they feel like if we're awarding the dark Knight, people will watch that more than if we're awarding, I don't know, moonlight. I don't know the Oscar, the, the ratings for every award show across the board is just steadily declining. And I think they just have to accept that it's not like it's not a Super Bowl style event. You know, it's a huge ratings thing, but it, you're not going to make it. 60 million Americans aren't going to watch the Oscars anymore. It's just we're not in that type of world now. You know, there are too many yeah. choices and people know that if like a big moment happens, they can just YouTube it in the morning. Like it's just it's just a new era. And I think they're trying to hold on to how do we capture this audience back? And it's like, well, you're not. So. Just focus on the things that are good about it, and then maybe you'll get a small uptick because it's a better show. But you're not going to go. You're at like 35 million American viewers now. You're not going to get back to 60. There are too many. There are too many channels. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm. I'm currently looking up. I guess I just wonder. And I agree with you. Because, by the way, like I think stunt should absolutely be a category. It's way overdue. Way overdue. You see, like something like The Shape of Water. I feel like that's a movie. It grows 63 domestic, 130 foreign. It's 195 worldwide. That's a big hit for a movie that supposedly only costs, I think, 20 to make. And I'm like, that's pretty popular. But I also feel like I don't know anybody outside of my film nerd friends who enjoy that movie or even saw it. Most of the people in my office are like, what the fuck's that fish movie? That's okay. They have no concept of what movies are actually winning. Most people in my like I'm I use my work office as kind of my this is the general public. These are Joe moviegoer who just see the big releases and know the big stars. And they're not, you know, they don't care about the film festivals that are going on right now the way we do and or any of that bullshit. So they just it's it's always amazing to me, like what gets through to them and something like The Shape of Water. I feel like it just doesn't. So and like you said, there's less people watching TV the way we used to. There's less people watching the Super Bowl right now. It's not. It's just you're, that kind of event programming, whether it's the Tonys, the Emmys, I guarantee all of their ratings are down over the last 10 years. They are, almost almost year by year. They hit like a new yeah. low. And it's not, it's just they have to accept that's part of the trend. And you can either change the entire show around and water it down and make it not meaningful anymore to the point where it's like people don't take, it doesn't have the same prestige that it used to have, or you just, you know, stick to your guns and make the most eloquent show that you can. That's funny and as entertaining and as efficient as possible. I don't know that actually honors people and you try to make the best choices. I don't know. Yeah, The Oscars should be ultimately, they should just be a love letter to movies. So if that's where the producer's hearts are at, the show shouldn't be awful, you know, if that's what your focus is on. I would, if you have to eliminate categories, maybe it's cold-blooded, I would get rid of the shorts because literally nobody watches those. 
Yeah. Less yeah. than one percent of the viewing audience ever watches those. The most popular ones are always like whichever animated short got nominated before a Pixar film. And that's it. And um, I mean, you can still give those out, but maybe give them out like in November when you do the honorary Oscars or something like that. I don't know. But those are always the ones people skip over in terms of betting pools. Those are always like the big wild cards that people just guess at. I would get rid of those. I would add a stunt Oscar. I would get rid of the popular film nonsense. And now you have 22 categories instead of 25. That gives you a little bit more breathing room. I would rather I would rather get rid of the opening monologue, you know? Like, they're very... Kimmel has done a decent job, but if you're not going to be, like, biting and really... I don't know. If you're not going to be really daring with it, it's just a waste of time, in my opinion. Everyone who's ever done it has said it's the worst room. It's because you're making fun of people who don't want to be made fun of in a circumstance where they're very uncomfortable. They have to be in this room for three hours. Not they're, Most of them are hungry or nervous because they're anxious about being awarded and you have to kind of toe that line of teasing them but not teasing them too hard and they don't know they're they're not relaxed so they're not in the mood to kind of laugh at your jokes as much and everyone has said it's the hardest fucking room and they don't envy anyone having to do it so yeah you may you might as well get someone like a not ryan seacrest but just like a, a host like that who's not necessarily a comedian and just kind of can handle the thing, you know. I guess Billy Crystal's probably a good version of that, but you know, you want someone like that. Yeah, I mean, unless you're gonna get, you know, a Mulaney and Nick Kroll combo who've done the Spirit Awards the last couple of years, who are genuinely hilarious and really craft great jokes and work well off of each other. I always like the idea of a team versus a single monologue because the room isn't great and you have so many like unwritten restrictions when you're writing a monologue for a show like that. So uh, yeah. And there are so many great duos like the Baldwin, Steve Martin years or the Anne Hathaway, James Franco years. Anne Hathaway, James Franco. (laughs) I see what you did there. I thought uh, the Steve Martin combo was good. It was fine. It was fine. I mean, I'm a huge Steve Martin fan, so. All right. Hey, I'm going to crack the whip because we're at, we're at an almost an hour and 20 and I'm going to try and keep this thing to an hour 90. Or no, I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus. to 90. Sorry, yeah. Wrap it up then. We're going, we're going to three, ten, three hours, 10 minutes is what I actually wanted to do. So I, 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 I'll you, wrap up. Is there anything, is there any other big topics you wanted to touch on before we wrapped up? Because we're going to be, we're going to try and be a bit better. I've been super heavy, busy with my movie, as always. I, I'll probably be talking about that until December when it's all done. Uh, at least the shooting portion of it's all done. And then you're also, you know, you've got work and you've been traveling and it's just been hard to sit down and talk, but yeah, I'm we're going to keep it up. We're, we're always, we're committing to getting back on the mic no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have a couple episodes already lined up. We have a couple of guests we're going to bring on shortly. Um, I know my friend Blaine has bought a mic already, so we have to have her on. <laughs> Otherwise she's going to probably send me a Venmo request for the cost of that mic. I, I will, to wrap it up, since it, we have been gone most, you okay? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm just, my my ass muscle is really tight, and I was massaging my Drink ass. Drink some water, my baby. My ass cheek. I am drinking water, but yeah, I've just been, I've been, you know, like I said, I'm a runner, so my muscles are often tight in my in my lower half. So I'm going to list off 20, some 2018 films I saw in the month of August that I would recommend. I'm just going to run them cool. off. Run them, baby. Uh, starting in the beginning of August, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, Pleasant Surprise was Teen Titans Go to the Movies. It was a fun little uh, animated film. 
talked about that last episode. The, you had just seen it. The documentary McQueen. Um, a really fun, bad horror movie, but it is so fun, is Truth or Dare. If you're a horror fan like me, you have to watch this movie. It's not good, but it is very entertaining. Like, front to back, it's entertaining. It's just a blast to watch, so I highly recommend that mm. one. Another decent okay. horror movie was The Meg, a movie we're going to talk about in a future episode, is for sure, is Black Klansman, because we need to really get into that one. So I'll just say that I recommend it for now. Mm-hmm. Another uh, horror movie, Puppet Master the Littlest Reich, the best of that awful series, but it is a blast. And written by S. Craig Zoller, who did Bone Tomahawk and Cell Block 99. So I got to get my other friend on here and get you guys debating, because he also saw that and said he did not like it at all because he did not like the way the puppets were used, and he loves the puppets. Okay. And This is the guy who also like didn't like Bone Tomahawk and Cell Block, right? No, he loves he loves those. Too. Oh, okay, all right. Then I won't talk to him. I was gonna <laughs> throw him under the. I don't. Bus. I don't think I have. A, I don't have a friend who doesn't love those movies. I don't think. Uh, maybe I'm just misunderstanding. I have. He's the same friend who has disliked other movies that we both love, like it but follows and stuff, right? If yeah, he thinks it follows is like an F. He hates that movie. But we'll get into regard, it. Moving, I would love moving to have on, moving on. Moving on. On here, I would love to have. Yeah, on little, here. yeah. Let's we'll we'll spice up this meatball a little bit. Uh, actually, speaking of, to go back to the Oscar, a, a movie that may qualify for best popular oscar at this point that i thought was a blast was crazy rich asians i still have to see it that's kind of the big one that i is becoming a uh, cultural phenomenon it is it is i i want to hugely successful it's it's about to make 30 million in its third weekend out this all asian there's a desire for yeah there i i feel like there's a desire for romantic comedies to come back yeah and i have noticed in this age of trumpism that it feels like people I'm, I'm watching shows like making it on NBC, this uh, feel good kind of craft show with Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. And I'm watching Mr. Rogers documentaries that are successes. And I'm seeing shows like, and I feel like people are looking for positive, just escape. Like I just want to feel good. And I think that's part of like the romantic comedy kind of plays into that. And they're just like, yeah, I just want to watch a, a fun, wacky, funny romance again. Uh, when in times of distress, horror movies and escapism comedies always do well. And that's oh, yeah. where we're in right now. But yeah, cra- Crazy Rich Asians. I genuinely recommend it. It's a good movie. And I would love to talk I'll, about it if you see it. I'll see it soon. Okay. Uh, another, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. But I thought The Equalizer is good, if that's what you're in the mood for. Equalizer 2? Equalizer 2, sorry. Um a great art house movie that I saw that is not getting a lot of press at all is called Madeline's Madeline. I'll Super see it when I can. Super fucking bizarre movie. Uh, I won't get into it too much, but it's it's it portrays mental illness in a very interesting way in terms of the filmmaking itself. First time director, I, I would recommend you go see it. Uh, Sundance mm-hmm. um, jury winner, I believe. The Miseducation of Cameron Post was good with Chloe Grace Moretz. Another movie that made me hate uh, organized religion. Not that I need it anymore. And lastly, a movie I just saw last night, so I guess September 1st, but a movie that I believe is number two at the box office. So an Asian-dominated box office this weekend, which is great. It's a movie called Searching with John Cho. It's a movie like the unfriended horror films where it all takes place either on a laptop or through a cell phone or a CCTV camera. But uh, No, thanks. It's great. It's a great movie. I would recommend you watch it. It's just one of those visual aesthetic things that I just don't... It's hard for me. I never thought I would be into it, but I thought the first Unfriended was great. I really like searching. The second Unfriended isn't quite as good, but it's interesting. I don't know. That aesthetic works for me. It keeps things moving. I mean, obviously, sometimes they have to like play it up in a way that doesn't feel believable, but... Yeah, I guess I understand... Like 
why people would reference it in terms of like this is our what we see every day this is the life we the screens that we're staring at and how we process information these days and it's very modern and i understand all that it's just one of those i just don't like the way it looks and it's i like one of my big one of our big disagreements over my movie last year was personal shopper Mm -hmm. and one one of the absolute reasons i despise that movie was because i felt like 45 minutes of its 90 minute running time was close-ups of her cell phone while she was texting and I would read reviews that would talk about the thrill of the bubble, like when you know someone's texting you back and you're like waiting for their response and, and how the movie like invoked that suspense of waiting for a reply to your texts. And I just didn't feel any of that because I was like watching it like this is a very uncinematic close up of a cell phone that I, I'm hating watching over and over again. See, I, I, I don't know. I guess I do appreciate it when, when it's done well, because those are little mysteries within the movie. And in terms of personal shopper, I think one of the best scenes is when she's on the train having that text conversation. And it's because she thinks it may be the ghost of her dead brother. So it has this I thought, whole see, I, the movie, the movie's so silly. It. Everything you say out loud plot wise from that movie makes me laugh. It's a great movie. But um, yeah, searching. It was good. That's uh, that's my wrap up for the month in film. Awesome. I'm going to. Oh, yeah. I don't have a wrap up for that, but I'm going to wrap up with some Aretha Franklin songs mm. since she passed as well. Yes, please. And I wanted to throw out just a few tracks that I have been listening to because I made myself a playlist called Aretha, Aretha, Aretha. Uh, and I've been listening to that a lot because I actually have been a big fan of Aretha since I was very young because I, in sixth or seventh grade, got the Goodfellas soundtrack, and she had a track on there called Baby, I Love You, which I didn't realize until a little bit later was actually a, one of her more famous songs. It's it's on most of her greatest hits albums, and it's one that a lot of people seem to know, but it was my introduction to her, I believe, and if it wasn't through those songs, it was through... Stuff like Sister Act, I think, had some of her songs on the soundtrack, and I knew respect just from pop culture, and I got into soul music pretty young, and I would just listen to Aretha albums that I picked up from the library. I would, you know, just listen to him over and over again. I've loved her voice. I love the versatility of her voice. I love that she can do... I love church and gospel music just aesthetically. I think it's very powerful at times, and I love the vocals that they're doing. And I also love the sexiness of her songs. I, I, I When I listen to her stuff, she's this woman who I don't think visually most people would think of as a glamorous model or of what we usually associate with that type of idea, but her songs are the sexiest songs around. And she has songs that I would recommend, like Call Me. Dear, 
she has songs that I think are super just slow and melodic, like Do Right Woman, Do Right Man. There's fun stuff like Daydreaming, uh, Rockabye, Your Baby with the Dixie Melody. There's just so many songs that she has that I, I'll throw a few of them onto our How's That Day podcast mix and some of my favorites. And I just wanted to throw a few, I'll throw a few tracks on here just to mix in here so you guys can get a sense of some of the songs that I'm talking about. But those are some of the ones I've been listening to, especially slower ones like Skylark. I really like Skylark and those little ones that those I've been listening to those way more than I've been listening to like the respects of the world, but that, and especially baby, I love you. I don't know how well, you know, baby, I love you, but it's the most fun, bouncy sax. I don't know if it's a sax, but it's a horn driven song that is just fucking amazing. Yeah, I know it. Uh, it's not one of like would know by heart or anything, but. Um, that's funny that I'll, you say I'll that, though, because here. Goodfellas is responsible for me getting super into Smokey Robinson when I was younger. So, that's smoke on the water, which is also in the movie. Yeah, that, that um, is definitely not old soul music. As, as I started doing it, I was like, "Hold like, on, wait, that's a different. Right that's a that's a different smoke on in Goodfellas." No, Good uh, Goodfellas has um, tracks of my tears. By Smokey Robinson. Track, yeah, Tracks of My Tears. It's got, I, I just watched it with Shell this past, like, couple weeks ago for the first. She had never seen it, and I've seen it a billion times. And she, I think she enjoyed it. She was interested, but I think, like, I, I think I told you, uh, she wasn't expect. she thought it was probably going to be more of a, like, Reservoir Dogs, Godfather, like, Sausage Fest type movie, I think. So I think the fact that she had Lorraine Bracco in there. And her point of view and that aspect of the story kind of, I think, maybe gave her a little bit more of an end to the story than she thought she was otherwise going to get. Oh, man. Uh, when, from from, when from Lorraine a woman's is, perspective. When Lorraine's walking down the street and they're trying to coax her to go check out those uh, coats. Go. No, no, yeah. Around the corner. Yeah. Oh, my go, God. Just go on. Go on. The fear <laughs> yeah, is so palpable. Such a great scene. There's so many great scenes. Uh, when I I when she's first introduced, she's she's on fire. I love Lorraine Bracco. She's amazing in that movie. Yeah, she is. I love. There's the moment that I was. I knew that the line was coming, and it's when he's beating the neighbor with the gun mm-hmm. after he's touched her, and after he's crossing the street, and Shell says, "How could you stay with a man after you saw him do something like that?" And I I knew what the immediate line seconds later was going to be. When she hands, when he hands her the gun, the bloody gun, and it's her voiceover that comes in, and she says, "I have friends like my girlfriends who would have gotten out of there the second they saw that." But I have to admit, I thought it was sexy, and like, and Shell just gave this, ugh, and I was like, "Yes, I love this shit. This is great." That um, speaking of her, I watched just because I was on a big Tom Petty kick this weekend. Another too soon departed, another R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. 
And I was talking about American Girl with a friend via text, and I totally forgot that that's what's playing when... Um, Silence of the Lambs? Uh, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. I forgot that yeah. was in that scene. Yeah. Like, are you about mm-hmm. a size 14? Um, but I always think of American Girl in the scene in The Sopranos when Tony... Spoiler alert for The Sopranos. Give you a second right now. Okay. When Tony is in a coma in season six, and yeah. uh, Carmela plays American Girl on the speaker, and gets right up into his face and talks to him. It's this amazing acting performance, four minute scene. She's so good. And she talks about like, remember, could you believe it back in the day when you had enough hair that a woman could pull? That's what I always loved about you, Tony, how big and muscular you were when you would just grab me and throw me over your shoulder. And I would get so hot down there. I'm hot down there. Just thinking about it right now. (laughs) Like she's trying to turn him on as if that's going to wake him up from the coma. It's just such a good, funny, heartfelt scene. Um, Yeah. Sopranos are great. Tom Petty's great. Aretha's great. Lorraine's great. Things are great. That's the show for this week. Everything's great, except when they're not. Everything's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, everything's good. Everything's good in the world. All right. Well, we'll talk next week, and we'll uh, we'll figure out how the world is then. Okay. That is the show for this week. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Every one of those helps us out incredibly. Thank you, Mr. Zach Pitts, for the theme music. Thanks, Zach. Check out our Facebook page. Check out the comments. Check out the YouTube page. Let us know what you think. And uh, come find us on uh, Instagram at Bindi Thomas Bindi. Bindi Tom Bindi. Bindi Tom Bindi. That's right. I just wasn't reading. And you can find me at Phil at P. Weedenheft. So look for us there, Thomas james bond i will see you next week okay, bye i love you guys we're back on this train baby <laughs>